Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast, season three. And we couldn't come over this knoll to get any closer to them because their eyesight is so good. There's 11 of them. There's two lookouts in the cliffs above. We were just kind of pegged down behind this rock and we couldn't move. Where we discuss hunting and fishing. And I've had coyotes doing serenades on the run after two or three howls. They start howling, two or three of them. And you're trying to find them and they sound like, oh, you could tell they were running. Cooking and cleaning wild game. You know, when you go to the grocery store, you don't see the cow, you don't see the pig, you don't see, you know, you don't see the animal. Whereas in the woods, you know, you, I see Josh bring home the deer and skin the deer and pro- we process it together, you know, so you see it broken down. Whereas you don't know that when you go to a grocery store. So I, it is a lot of mental. Hits, misses, and everything in between. So he came into about 80 yards and then we dumped. Go ahead and say it. 26 rounds Ooh. before we finally killed it. 26 <laughs> rounds. Thank you for listening. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. Want to lengthen your time in the field and shorten your scouting time? Not only does the HuntWise app show you property boundaries, landowners' names, and in some cases even their phone number, but using the app will show you the wind direction on the map of the place you want to hunt. And the HuntCast feature shows peak movement times for various species, including predators. Get the HuntWise app at www.huntwise.com, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store. For only $59.99 a year for Pro or $119.99 a year for Elite. Use promo code OVERDRIVE20 for 20% off an annual membership. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to do this intro right now. because Yeah, because they're going to hear it in the morning. 8 a.m. is morning. It is good afternoon to Jessica and Kevin Rott. However, <laughs> it is good morning to all our listeners. We have Kevin Rott not in the studio today. He is... Uh, co-host here via computer and then we have mr jessica on the other side which is actually carl roller what's going on carl how's it going good um yeah you know what what can you do when your wife takes your computer from you everyone? <laughs> well it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> keep showing me your name is jessica so that's what your name's gonna be this whole time <laughs> i can handle that you know i mean she's a smart you know pretty woman so i'm uh, pretty happy with that Carl, you've been out hunting at all lately? I haven't really seen any like kill pictures or anything from you lately. I actually went out Saturday night, got out, and uh, my buddy Kevin and I were hunting. Or we walked out, we parked the truck, walked out, and there was a bachelor group of like eight bucks. And two of them were well outside the ears. And we were kind of like, dude, look at those deer. Man, that is, and this is an, one of my spots that I deer hunt, but it's we don't typically see anything that big. And I was like, man, this is this might actually be a good year. And we were watching and watching, and all of a sudden, two come, two coyotes come busting out of the corn. And I was like, oh, this, this is actually, you know, they're 
300 yards away. We'll see what happens. Let's just sit here. And he goes, should we move closer? And I said, no, let's just wait. So all of a sudden, one comes out of the corn. I couldn't believe this. Came out of the corn, worked its way towards us, and was working right towards the doe. And sure enough, he took that doe, he jumped her, and ran her right back to the other one. I mean, within a foot of that other coyote. And then the uh, that one took it off into the corn. I, like they were working in a group to try to figure out how to kill that that full-grown doe. No kidding. And she went busting into the corn. The coyote went busting into the corn. The other one stayed out. And then I all of a sudden the second one came back. They put on a little uh, like senior cotton, and they slowly worked their way in. And they were about 200 yards out. And I said, "Yeah, hey, good enough." I said, "You good?" He goes, "Yeah, I'm on mine." I said, "All right, you ready?" Yep. Three, two, one. Pew! You know, that's all I heard was my my suppressor go off, and he doesn't shoot suppress. So I missed. I pulled it. I know I did. I was pretty frustrated with myself on that one. And I looked over. I said, "Did you shoot?" <laughs> and he goes, "No, mine didn't stop." And I said, "Well, what the heck, man?" I said, uh, "I was counting down." He goes, "Yeah, mine just one stop." And I said, "Well." Why didn't we stop it then? Uh, oh, well, you hit yours. I know I heard the thud. And I said, mine ran about 50 yards and looked back. I know I missed mine. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, I better check the gun again. Haven't checked it yet, but I know. Uh, so yeah, I know so I two in, zero dead. Yeah, two in, zero dead. If any of Carl's landowners want my number, just give me a call. <laughs> Kevin, you actually had a good weekend. Uh, now, last week you were out hunting and you got busted. You got backdoored in daylight by probably what I would guess would be the female of the family group. You agree? Right. Yeah. Now, we had talked, what night was that? Friday or Saturday night? Saturday, because I was fishing. And you were planning on going back and trying that spot again. You never told me how that went. There wasn't a whole lot to tell. There was nothing happened. I did go back and I talked with Tony Tebby a little bit too, just to get his thoughts on it. And it's funny because I sent him the satellite image, same as I did you. And I said, you know, would you be concerned about approaching from this direction with this wind? He says, well, why don't you go up around to the east side and come up to the north and set up same spot you mentioned by that patch of woods. <laughs> and I said, I would love to do that, but right now it's all corn and you can't hunt it. He says, oh yeah, I forgot about crops and all that. So I went with my original plan. I got out there early. It was probably 8, 830. Um, came in from the southwest, drove. So I was almost due west of where I wanted to set up. Um, walked in. It ended up the wind was more south, which was actually better than it yep. was out of the west. Um, worked my way along the edge of that corn again. And at the edge of the corn, it's actually short. It gets taller the further out you go. So what I did is I actually sat down in that corn, me being a little short guy, that corn was about head height when I sat down behind me because I was on a bit of a hill looking at the low ground that went into that swamp where they howled last time, right? Yep. So the wind was going south, which would have been perfect. And um, I called the spot closest to where the pups howled last time. And I was keeping it pretty minimal in terms of what I was using for sounds. I didn't use high volume. I didn't call a lot just kind of, you know, subtle and didn't have anything. I heard a deer start snorting in the swamp. So I thought maybe they're moving around in there and they could have been, and I just never seen them, but didn't see or hear anything there. And then probably about nine 30, 
I picked up and moved further be to the east, which is closer to where the one was howling at me. Mm-hmm. Found another spot to set up there, called that one. And from that vantage point, I could actually see the grassy field where I think that one started barking at me. And um, set up there and called, and a bunch of deer kicked up out of that tall grass and took off, but I never seen or heard anything that night. So I had left there right at about dark and then went and did two more sets after dark. And both of those ones were good. Both of those sets went good. And um, the interesting thing about that is both those spots I went to, I had hunted Friday night as well. Now, tell and, me about that a little bit, because we have been friends for a long, long time, Kevin. Yep. And we have told on this podcast, you don't really want to overhunt spots. You don't want to go back every week. You don't want to do that because you'll educate them. You'll make them smart. Right. What? made you go back to those same spots again so one thing that i've told people a lot when i talk about it is if i'm hunting a spot i don't hear anything i don't see anything or if i hear them and the vocals are like way off in the distance and i don't see anything i'm not afraid to go back and try that spot again soon so friday night both those spots i didn't see squat there was one spot which would have been the second spot i hunted that Friday night I had heard him way off to the east. So I figured I would go over there, change up the game plan a little bit, try it again just for poops and grins. So Friday night at the first spot, I called in a house cat. Um, that was the only thing I seen other than a couple of deer. And um, I called that spot first because I know there's coyotes in there. It's right by that honey hole that I told you about last year. I think I killed like eight off of. Yep. Um, set up there. And, um, so my back was to an orchard. I'm looking at a bean field, goes up a hill into the woods, which a week ago, when I took a couple of new guys out, we had one come out of those woods and he wasn't sure of the shot. So he never fired. And that coyote just came out, worked the tree line, then disappeared back into the tree line. So that's where I expected him to come from. I hit, uh, PT female invite. And it was like two minutes. I hear something running behind me and I look and here's this coyote all the way out in the field already. Um, trying to get around <laughs> to the downwind side of the collar. So I got on it, shot it. Um, it dropped. And as it dropped, I looked, there's another coyote running away from it. Like, Crap. You know, so I got on that one and it went out to the top of the hill and stopped. I shot that one and it spun and dropped and then start, you know, it was making a bunch of noise. So it wasn't a great hit. And I was trying to wait for it to stop enough to put a anchor in it. And it never did. It actually got up and took off running, made it into the tree line. Running fast. Yeah. Um, so I, I did go down and look for it. And it went into a tree line, then went across the road into a different piece of property. And I found blood. It was probably up maybe 8, 10 inches in the grass. So it wasn't like it was real low. Um, but I never did find it and I couldn't find any blood on the other side of the road. How so far I looked for that. Shot was that one? I'm sorry. How far of a shot was that? Second 220 one? yards. So is that pretty much hold dead on with your six, five? Yeah. I held, uh, right at the top of the shoulder if I remember right. Okay. But yeah, it should have been dead on. I'm zeroed out of the way. Just 200. You videoed that, right? I did. How do you feel that shot look at the video? I'd have to go back and look at it close again. I didn't really spend a lot of time looking real close at it. Um, so that ended that set. 
And then I went to the next spot, which again, I had hunted Friday night and Friday night I had vocals way off to the east. And the landowner sent me a picture recently of a coyote on that piece. Um, went out there. Um, again, I started off with a PT female invite, had like three different sets of coyotes respond back. I switched to PT territorial female and then waited a while. Nothing happened. And then played uh, Tony Tebby's uh, Tina and Ike, I think yep. it is. Yep. Let that rip. And within a minute or two, this coyote pops up in the wood line on the far side of the field. And I didn't play any more sounds. I just let it work its way towards me. And it came in from, you know, probably three, 400 yards to, I think I shot it at like 95 yards. And I think this kind of pushes a point that if you do not get vocal replies to your howls, it doesn't mean anything. They're not coming right. I bet I, mean, I shoot seventy five percent of mine that don't don't even howl. Yeah, right, to be honest, I don't even no. know they're they're there. All of a sudden, it's like a game to us. Who gets to see the coyote first, you know, and then tell the other one there's a coyote there. But all of a sudden, they they won't make a noise, and then one will pop up, and it's I, I like I said, I bet seventy five percent of the coyotes I kill are probably no vocals. Yep. Yeah, I, I've known guys before where they'll get out of the truck howl. And if they don't hear a reply, they don't hunt it. It's like, man, those coyotes could be running right at your truck right now. You wouldn't even know about it. And that's I call what, in so many coyotes that just come in and show up to vocals without replying. The thing about vocals to me is it's just that confidence build that there is one there and listening. And Otherwise, you know approximately where. Right. Otherwise, I mean let's say you get a dead calm or even a two, three, five mile an hour wind and you howl. Oftentimes you've got house dogs barking at you for miles. You know, there is a coyote listening to that sound. Right. It, it's just yeah. interesting to me how many times they will just show up. And like the first one, you said you heard it before you saw it. Oh yeah. It I, came in that fast, that close. Yeah. That's I remember I mean. one time I took out Kevin Ritzma. And he goes, hey, I want to call this one. And I'm always the caller. And I said, yeah, not a problem, man. You can call it. So he gets his caller out. And sure enough, he we're not even got the guns out. He bumps the caller and it goes off. And it starts howling. And he's scrambling to shut that thing off. And we don't have the guns out. We don't have the tripods ready. We have nothing <laughs> even. We're at the truck. And he gets it off. And we finally get everything out. And we look up. And here comes two just barreling in on us. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing we can do. They catch us. They kind of backpedal. So we move out. We still called them in, which was actually pretty shocking. But they never made a sound. They just came in. Like, they they wanted to come in. They wanted to defend their territory. They wanted to be there. And I I still give him crap for that. Every time he asked if he can call, I said, eh, we've seen what happened the last time. And that's kind of... He doesn't call anymore. But. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I don't like to use locators very much. Yeah. I don't like to get out and just run a locator to see what happens. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if they heard it, they could be coming. And if I'm not going to stay here, what's the point of calling them in if I'm not going to be here? You know, so if I am going to go to a spot and if I'm going to bother to use a locator, I'm going to hunt that spot. I'm not just right. going to run a locator and only hunt it if I hear a response. I'm going to hunt it for a full set if I'm going to play a sound at all. Yeah, so anybody listening to this, if you howl and you don't get a reply, don't give up calling just because one did not answer you because nope. there's a good chance 
they're standing there listening somewhere and you just got to hit that right trigger. Yep. But I, yep. I watched that video that you had posted, Kevin, and that, that last one you shot was a definite, in my opinion, from video and not seeing a close-up photo, you shot that thing through the heart. Yep. Um, I thought about taking a picture of that because when I checked it out, I mean, the exit hole on it was probably about the size of a 50-cent piece right below and behind the front leg, just yeah. like you can see in the video. Heart's gone. And, yep. and if you watch in that video, uh, it's on our YouTube channel. It's also on our Facebook page. You can see the hot spot just start growing right oh, yeah. behind its shoulder, right at impact. And that is one thing that is awesome about video capabilities on a scope. You can go back. Let's nine times out of 10, you heart shoot a coyote. That is exactly what it's doing. Yep. Agree or disagree, Carl? Heart shoot, heart shot yep. coyotes, they run like crazy until they can't go any further. Yep. Um, and then they cartwheel. Typically. And then they cartwheel. They just lose everything out from underneath them. But when you go back, I've I've had coyotes like that where I couldn't recover them. And I've gone back and looked at the video and said, I know I hit that thing in the heart. You can see how it took off. You can see the hot spot growing. You know that things hit hard. But, man, heart shot coyotes will outrun a heart shot deer real quick. Heart shot deer go 40, 50 yards. They pile right up. Heart shot coyotes can run two, 300 yards in a straight line. And then they just, yeah, like Carl said, they just roll over. Another, <laughs> another, interest, right, Kevin. another interesting thing about that video of that coyote is you, when it comes out, you see it run through the deer and the deer all take off and yep. scatter. So then the coyote came up. I made the shot on the coyote. It ran, you know, what, 30, 40 yards and then piled up. I went out, retrieved that coyote, came back and had planned on playing another sound yet see if I could get any of the other ones to come in. I took a video afterwards. All those deer never left that field. Mm -mm. They stayed in the field and actually came back closer to where, like, I shot that coyote in that area. And I showed that to the landowner specifically because he had just talked to me the day before and we were talking about, well, he doesn't mind me a hunt start in September because he wants to take his daughter out there for youth. And I get that. That's fine. You know, landowners rules and all that. But I showed him that, you know, don't think that, you know, we're out there busting out all these deer. I said, no. you know, I showed him video of the deer before um, I shot. Then I shot the coyote, went and retrieved it, came back and posted another video, showed <laughs> it to him of all the deer back out there again, yeah. just killing <laughs> They don't care. Deer will just watch you walk out, pick up a coyote and drag it out of the field. And they'll just yeah. stand there. And I think, I do think that you run in a suppressor does make a difference with that too. But it's just a point that I wanted to show him that, you know, kind of, you know, self-serving type thing because I want to keep hunting it. But at the same time, I want him to have that confidence that by having me there, I'm not blowing all the field, not blowing all the deer out of the area. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing is we don't go into the woods or the thick areas hardly at all ever nope. at night, Right, which is where the most concern comes in from what I've heard from landowners is they got their bedding areas, they got their sanctuaries, they don't want right. that being intruded. And I completely understand that. Like Kevin said, landowners' rules are what matters. Yep. But these deer, you can call a coyote right through a group of deer shoot it right in the group of deer, walk out into the group of deer, grab the coyote, drag it away, and that group of deer might have gone 50 yards into the field deeper, and they're just going to stand there and watch you. Or come like, back. Right. Yeah. It's very rare that they just all bolt and completely abandon that field. 
right i, I think story. a lot of it's like they just they kind of feel like hey thanks for thanks for shooting that sucker <laughs> two quick stories on that one my first suppressor kill i actually had a fox it was in the summertime i actually had a fox five deer the deer you were did like not 100. shoot the fox in summer i did not wait okay. for the story here but yes <laughs> I actually had five deer about 150 yards from me. I had a coyote mousing about 200 yards from me. I actually called a coyote in out of the corn, shot the coyote. The fox actually never even looked, didn't even care. And the deer just looked and then went back to grazing. Now, I know the suppressor is a big thing, and that's why I went with that. But it it does help. Mm -hmm. But the other story, I was out and I shot a coyote. I don't know, 100 yards, but I had a deer bedded down sleeping 150 yards away from me, 125 yards away from me. I shot no suppress with an actual muzzle break, which is loud. A lot of people thanked me and almost paid me for my suppressor once I got rid of that thing. That's what um, I should have had Kevin do. <laughs> Pay me what? for my suppressor, sunshine. <laughs> oh, it's the greatest thing ever. But that, that doe actually picked her head up, looked, and went put her head right back down and went back to sleeping. She didn't even care. It to them, unless we go in and bump them, which we have thermals and we're we can see where they're at, we're not bumping the deer. The deer don't care. Sure, every once in a while they like you said might run 50 yards and they they'll come back. But I don't know. I got video of a deer walking seven yards from me while my collar is going. Yeah. They it it's not that I I, it's not that we're going to bust them out. And I understand that the landowners, I give them what they want. Yeah, they tell exactly. me when they want me out of there, I'm done. Yep. I don't, don't hesitate. I don't, I give them everything they want. And then the, the funny thing is, is then all of a sudden I get phone calls during deer season. Hey, I got a coyote. I need you in here. Every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yes, well, okay. I'll, I'm coming. You asked that's, that, you know, yep. but I, I typically try to shut down for that time frame, unless there's different, like I have some farmers that tell me to come out year round and do whatever I need to do. Yep. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's funny how that happens sometimes, well, but again, the, on the Fox topic, I'm, I'm not saying Fox are stupid, but I don't think Fox are the smartest predator. Do you agree? Disagree? I they're mean, crafty and they, I, I don't think that they get the pressure that the coyotes do because we can't hunt fox year round. So I think that they come into those calls and they don't get shot. According to they... Backyard Chickens page on Facebook, <laughs> you can shoot fox anytime you want during the year. I've already had some lady call me that told me that her township and her DNR officer told her it's okay to shoot them. That is incorrect. <laughs> I, 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 I tried explaining it to her and I tried explaining to her the position that I'm in with the Michigan Trappers and Predator Colors Association and how I do help with laws. And she says, nope, my DNR officer told me it is legal for me to shoot it. So if you want to come, you can come shoot it. And I said, unfortunately, no. And she goes, well, then I'll have a local come shoot it. And I said, well, I, I don't know anything at this point because that's for you to get in trouble for when you get caught. You know, I'm not trying to call anybody out on that, but it wouldn't surprise me if DNR officers in certain areas did give that advice. I wouldn't be. Now, the official position of the DNR, which we all know, is you can't shoot them out of season without a permit from the DNR biologist or unless you're a licensed nuisance animal control person. But 
like I said, I think it's kind of like police officers. I mean, sometimes they have wrong information that they give to somebody and it's not necessarily, I mean, it's kind of like either they aren't up on it specifically, or they're saying, well, in this case, you know, yeah, you had an open receptacle, but I'm going to let you go home and we're not going to worry about it type thing. I, I don't know. I just, it wouldn't surprise me if certain DNR officers did say that. And if you notice in a lot of those, communications on the Facebook page, people like Robert Schultz or Bob Abbott or whatever will say, well, who is that DNR officer? Yeah. Give me their name so that we can clarify and, you know, make sure that everyone has the correct information, whether we're wrong or they're wrong, let's make sure we have the correct information. And, you know, sometimes they will say, well, it was officer so-and-so from this district or whatever, but, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where we've had, the communication direct from the DNR headquarters of what the position is. And it's frustrating when you have other information out there given and people think, well, he said you could, so why aren't you? Well, this is what I have for information <laughs> and I'm not going to violate that because one, I don't want to go to jail, lose my hunting privileges, anything like that. You know, it's just, it's, a, it's unfortunate that there's confusion about it oh uh, for the record i mean i think as a landowner you have livestock you should be able to do whatever you can to protect your animals and that includes shooting fox out of season but that's for the record in my own opinion when you get when landowners call and want that i want to help you right but i cannot lose my license to hunt for the rest of my life for all these other landowners because you wanted me to take a fox illegally i can't right it's not worth it to me i'd rather hunt the rest of my life right <laughs> you know so it, the other thing you got to watch too is like so i just had a landowner call me and tell me i was wrong uh with a new law that just changed with the beaver trapping i can now trap beaver out of like it's, there's no season now for them essentially um i don't need a nuisance permit i don't need a permit from the dnr muskrats are as well the same thing i can go without being a nuisance trapper and I can go do that right now. And he calls me and tells me, you're a liar. The DNR just showed up here and they told me that I, that that's illegal. So I said, all right, I did the same thing. Bob Abbott does. Who is the, who is the DNR officer? I'd like to speak with, with such person. If need be, I would like to speak with their Lieutenant. Um, I called my DNR officer. He goes, I actually seen that come across the radio that she went in there to go, they thought they were blowing up. The neighbor called them that they were blowing up dams. And uh, DNR showed up. I actually got a hold of the DNR officer. It was my landowner that actually did not understand what she was telling him. And I'm actually in there right now doing the beaver job. But it, there's a lot of miscommunication that happens. And that's why, like, this new law just came into place. It could, it could be misstrewed. From different angles um the fox one that one's been around for a little bit i i can't understand you know i don't but, understand how people are still messing that one up but. you know a funny one about that is the new nuisance animal changes <laughs> included fox squirrel it said you can shoot a fox yeah as a, there's no comma there it's not fox and squirrel it's fox squirrel but there was confusion on that. I had several landowners say, oh, I just seen it on the news. Yep. It said fox. And I'm like, go back and read it real carefully. It says fox squirrel. <laughs> you know you know how easy the DNR's job's got to be some days? 
Oh, it's gotta be horrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, seriously, easy though. Look through a page. Okay, that guy said he just shot a fox because it was attacking his chickens. It is not oh, right. Yeah, people that basically <laughs> volunteer and say, Yeah, I'm gonna yes. do it. There <laughs> yep. was one just this this what the past weekend that I think Robert Schultz was commenting on it. From I commented this, on it oh, too. That guy was just like yeah. Okay, bootlicker. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Like, dude, okay, you, do yeah, what you gotta do, but you just announced it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you just basically admitted to wanting to intent of poaching, basically. Yeah, and I don't I don't agree to this method, but shoot, shovel, shut up always fails at the shut up part. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has to talk, you know, exactly. that's the thing. Everybody has to say something, and they always say it to the wrong person. (laughs) Well, Carl, we've got you on tonight. Can you explain your position with the MTPCA, the Michigan Trappers Predator Callers Association? So the Michigan Trappers Association decided we need to include the predator callers. Um, And that's what they did is they created a position to be a director for predator caller outreach. That is where I came in. Um, they decided that I somehow was the best fit. Still don't know how, but um, I know drinking that day. What? <laughs> I said somebody was yeah. drinking that day. <laughs> I mean, it does help that I do trap and call. Yeah. So I do. I do see both sides of the world, right? So my mind isn't just one side or the other, but I do predator call quite a bit. I do okay. Um, I'm not by any means the best predator caller here in the state of Michigan. I can name quite a few people that would, that do every year beat me in the tournaments. Um, but the thought was as an outreach. So basically it's for me to talk to you guys, the people listening here and figure out what we need to do to help the predator calling world. That's kind of what I am in and then my job is to report it back to the group and then when they go down to the caucus the mucc and work on different aspects of that um they take what we agree upon and what we talk about and that's what we work forward for in the state so that we have the ability to have an actual say in in the politics versus you know here's the democrats or Here's the people that don't, the anti-hunters, and they get to run the show um, because there's no name for us. And this that's what we are doing is basically building the name for the predator callers or the predator hunters here in Michigan. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they told me that this is actually the first time in the whole state. There's no other state that does a trapping and predator calling association together that goes to the, the however you want to say it, not the Senate, but the politics to basically work, yeah, to work together to go there. And uh, that's my job. Hopefully I'm doing an okay position or job at my position being the first, but uh, we are seeing a growth in numbers and members and which members directly give us votes into when we go to to vote for things in uh, not Congress, but in the politics there, in legislation. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Can can you give an example of that? I mean, what do you mean, like, the, the amount of members is your amount of votes? So if you guys sign up 
both of you guys are members. If I'm, if I remember talking to you guys earlier, right? So, and I'm a member. I I paid my tuition. Um, right here we have three votes. So now when they when we go in and they say, hey, we want to get rid of predator calling competitions, which is actually right now they're looking at that as a possibility of a bill to end all predator hunting competitions in the whole state of Michigan. When we go in there, now granted, it's not just us three are members, but when we raise our hands, all three of us are currently voting no against that. We believe that Michigan right now has a sustainable coyote population, uh, thanks to the DNR, as they decided to introduce more coyotes about 15 years ago. But hey, I have fun shooting these coyotes just as much as you guys do. Now, pause a second. Is that fact or is that thought? From what I read, it was fact. They okay, so from what you read, it's an opinion. Okay, I'll, I'll take it your way. No, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously asking because that's one thing that we've read before. DNR pulls up with trucks and they unload cougars. They unload wolves. They unload coyotes. Is that really how it goes? I mean, I've heard yes and no. I've heard that I've heard DNR officers tell me no. And I've had people show me actual polarized pictures, you know, like, Pictures that are hard copies, not our digitals like we have, of the DNR trucks dumping. It was an, a turkey, actually. They were dumping a non-eastern Michigan. Uh, what they, we, we shoot the easterns here, the eastern turkeys. Um, they were actually dumping a non-eastern turkey into this area. And they're now to this day denying it. He has a picture of the actual DNR truck dumping them in there. And there's still a few of them left around. And I believe it's down by um, Grand Haven, just south of Grand Haven. Oh, bring them. <laughs> bring them coyotes here, baby. <laughs> I am south of Grand Haven. Bring them up. <laughs> I would take uh, take more gray fox, to be frankly honest with you. I, I would be real happy to see more gray fox here in Michigan. I was lucky enough to take one last year. Um, we don't see too many here. But I would love to see the fox population increased to be to be honest i know we had just talked about them being an issue and not in season but if you bring the fox population up you would have the ability to then have a have the ability like that's when they start to allow these things to happen when you have the population high enough that's why coyotes we can shoot them year round because the, the populations are high enough we see that too directly with the predator calling competitions every year we have not seen a decline in numbers brought in right? The numbers are always a little after over 200. The teams are either, they actually, teams have come down because of COVID and it was all directly COVID related, but the numbers are still always around 200 or above. So we're having a sustainable population here in Michigan, but excuse me, um, that, that if the Fox were able to get to that point, then we were able to allow that ability to Hey, if you're having an issue with fox going into your your chickens, now we can talk about you know removing them if need be. But as you guys have probably seen, the fox population is on the incline. As from what I have seen, calling, I just we don't have them like the coyotes. We we're not putting the coyote numbers in the fox numbers down. See, is I'm, that what, 
I'm not so sure you'll ever get the fox population where you'd want it for that with the coyote population we have currently. Sure. I mean, if you look typically in the thumb, the thumb has a pretty healthy, sustainable population over there. Um, The coyotes, not as much. There's still coyotes there. My buddies are still shooting them over there. But, I, I mean, I think you could get to it. I think you have to bring the coyote population back down is what you really need to do. That's that's the number one predator, right? Besides humans is for us. Well, in our yeah. lower peninsula, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't talk about those giant puppies up there that, you know, magically stay at 600. They never <laughs> top 600 every year. 602, I think, is the highest or something. That's actually one. what I was going to ask. Kevin, you've spent some time in the UP. Carl, have you spent time calling in the UP? One time. Have either of you ever called in a fox in the UP? I've seen fox tracks. Okay. I can say that. I in in the snow, because that's when I go up there is when there's a little bit of snow. If I'm not mistaken, Kevin, one of our first trips up there with Tony right alongside of US two, right off the bridge, there was a fox on the side of the road up in the rocks on the sand hills, like directly across from Lake Michigan there, but I know for a fact I've never seen a fox up there while calling. I don't, I'm trying to think back from all the time I've been up there. And I can't say for sure if I remember ever calling in a fox. I mean, I know other guys do up there and have. Um, in the tournaments that we hunted up there, um, Skip's Predator Days, I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember too many fox being brought in in that tournament, even. And we hunted that tournament for, I think, three years. Well, and I know uh, Brian Baker, he posts a lot of UP trail camera photos and it's all wolves and coyotes for the most part. I don't know that I've, I don't know that I recall him ever posting a picture of a fox. I got to imagine there's fox up there, but I wonder what the population looks like with the wolves and the coyotes, both probably piling onto those foxes as hard as they can. Well, not only that, but several years ago, they got hit hard with, um, what was it, Parvo up there? Yep. I and that, that wiped out a lot of the fox, a lot of the coyotes. I'm sure it probably hit some of the wolves too. And I know, I think last year, the year it would have been the year before that I was up at the uh, convention. Um, I talked to a guy from the UP up there, and he said they were just starting to really recover from that disease problem they had. So, I mean, I know up at, when we were up at Skip's, he was a taxidermist and he had several mounts in there and he had even a melanistic fox in there that that thing was absolutely beautiful. Melanistic um, is what color? This one was actually a mix of red and black. Okay. Um, Kind of picture almost like what a calico cat looks like. This is what this was like, except it was red and black. You and get was, that with the gray cross? Is that how you get the gray cross? I think it's just a color phase. Okay. I don't think it was a cross per se. I think it's just like a color phase. Um, but I mean, that was beautiful. So I know they have them up there. Just that I don't, I think we have more of them down here because probably because like you said, the predator population of apex predators above the fox is a lot higher up there. Well, and I don't know about either of you, but I know for a fact right now is my best chance of calling in fox and then fox season. There's no fox to be found around <laughs> any gone. spot that I've ever seen them all summer. <laughs> Yep. which is also weird it's like does their home range change or did they not survive 
I don't know enough about Fox to say one way or the other. <laughs> you got to have somebody out there listening. Carl, Jessica, tell us what you know about Fox. I don't know. I mean, I, I have spots. When I did, um, oh, man, why am I drawing a blank here? The the church one. Oh, the crosses. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, ministries, um, sportsman's ministries. When I did that one, I knew I actually had saved a lot of my Fox spots for that. And I went back and it, again, I don't call them in, you know, I don't purposely shoot them. I don't, but I went back and I didn't have an issue calling in. And then I felt bad because I realized that those guys had one heck of a night. I think, I think nine or 13 or something was brought in by a, multiple groups. I think it took nine to even get uh, in the money that year when the year before Chris Wakefield and I took second. I mean, granted it was, really horrible conditions but um I, I, and then i started feeling bad because i shot all my fox and didn't even place in the money but i because i don't shoot fox even in season that's just me this is what i do i leave all my fox alone until it's a tournament time i have no reason to hurt them unless the the landowners are having issues then i can go call them um i i want to see a a bigger population of fox here uh, that's just me. That's me personally. I don't require that on anybody else, but um, that, yeah. And I, like I said, I went back, I called them in. Heck, one of them took 30 seconds. It wasn't even in the field. That thing came screaming in and I even called one in. I can't believe this. I put it on, on uh den raid, den raid. I put on and I had a Fox come just barreling in. And I was like, Oh, here comes a, that was a guy from way out and I got on it. I'm like, what the heck? And well, it's tournament time, you know, and put one down, but it, I never seen that one before. And I know other people, they're the same way. They'll let Fox walk, which I, like you said, I have no problem with that. Um, but the interesting point about that is talking to the guy that taught me a lot about trapping and calling. He actually put himself through college on trapping selling furs and this was back in the late 70s early 80s not now and, and back then it was a lot of fox it was a lot of muskrats it was a lot of beaver um Raccoon. and he said he can remember when they trapped or seen the very first coyote up in the area where he hunted and trapped and if i remember right he said that was like mid to late 80s like maybe 84 87 somewhere in there he can remember when they got the first coyote in that area and to have him say that you know he put himself through college trapping especially a fox and stuff like that right there should talk more to the abundance of them back then versus what we have now what was a factor that changed coyote population Car maybe the ability to pay for college and everybody <laughs> taking that many Right. that many facts but i mean you're right it, it's there's a direct correlation with the, the coyotes yeah Car carl that? with your position with the mtpca do you deal with any of the fur harvester studies that the dnr sends out every year i don't directly work with that now i can ask for that information and i can add like i can get that information if you're asking but for me to directly work with that stuff no i do not I'm curious because I, I believe on those surveys they send out, they ask how successful you were or how many you took. I'm wondering if they have that 
all added up somewhere where they're like, look, there was 500,000 coyotes shot in this state last year. It all, it, you get it, one for coyotes? I don't, I never. Yeah, I there's a fur harvester, harvester study. Yeah. And then there's a specific bobcat one as well. Yeah. Um, so I would assume that at least on an annual basis, they probably have that data of the people that actually reply. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if they, you know, track it over time. I would assume they do, but it would be interesting to see, you know, what data they have collected on that. Yeah, because since imagine. I've been coyote hunting in 2007, 2008, the population is not going lower. I, I don't believe that it is going lower. Now, the common argument is, and we've had this conversation on the podcast with Tony Tebby and I think a couple other guys, you shoot a coyote and all it does is lowers the population. So now a female will go back into heat. My understanding now, after talking to people that know a ton more about this than I do, is that is not possible. That's not how it works with coyotes. That is a biological, they're going to breed at this time, they're going to have one litter, and then they're going to wait until the next time for breeding season, which is typically December, January, February, and probably partially into March. Yes? Ish. I mean, okay. it could. So, we... We we've had I just had comments the other day. You shooting them is just making the population grow bigger. I believe that to be 100% BS. And if you talk to like Buck Wells, he has a specific information. There was a study released about that, which he said was released by an organization that basically is anti-hunting, trying to get coyote hunting stopped. They released that study to show that it wasn't effective and proper management, but that study was later debunked. Mm-hmm. And he, I know Buck has the data cause he sent it to me before on the research that was done that debunked that. Yep. And it's partially debunked and partially not. So the deal from what I understand is that you're going to lower the population, but like den or like litter size exactly amount of coyotes that are produced during breeding season has more to do with food availability pup mortality and the age of the breeding coyotes Mm -hmm. a younger coyote is going to have a larger litter an older coyote is going to have a smaller litter so if you have let's say you ended up killing most of the mature older coyotes yeah you're young ones that don't have to compete for food or mating as much if there's a good food um, availability in the area, they're nice and healthy. They don't have as much competition for breeding and such. They're going to have a bigger litter. So then you have the other factor, which is your pup mortality, which is based off disease. Again, food availability, predation by other animals and all that. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors to it. Um, But I don't believe that, you know, kind of like what you said, shooting one coyote isn't going to make, the coyotes all of a sudden just say oh i'm gonna have a litter of 20 this year right which which from my understanding is how like black bear work or grizzly bear i understand from my understanding of listening to podcasts like meat eater podcasts about them a male bear will go kill cubs because that will force the female back into heat yes that's what i understand as well that is not said to be the truth about coyotes right but with that though if I, my understanding, black bears hold their cubs for multiple years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
coyotes don't. We're able to start shooting or shooting them right now. You know, they're they're getting they're still small, but they're getting on their own. They're adventuring out now, right? On their own, where cubs will stay with mom. I believe it's two years, if I'm right. not mistaken. I'm not a biologist by any means. You said means. cubs, not pups. Correct. Yeah, okay. Bears. Okay. The bears cubs stay for two years with the mom, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, where coyote pups, they're running around yeah. five, like uh, two months, three months after after they're born. Right. Uh, so I th- think that's the, where I you're think different. the dens are only, what, 60 days, 90 days that they're active? Yeah, I, I it's mean, quick. From, from what I understand, they pretty much are born, and then it's like within two months that they're out of the den and kind of meandering around, hanging out with mom and dad, or hanging out with mom but they don't start really doing a lot of hunting for another roughly 30 days. That's just my understanding from what I've picked up from hearing and reading. And that could be off, but me personally, and I don't know about you, Carl, I know Kevin has, I have yet to lay eyes on a puppy this whole year. I've seen a lot this year. I seen one, the one, one of the two I seen was probably about that size. I think it was a mom or dad. I obviously didn't check. Mm-hmm. I, I missed, but the other one that was with it, uh, you could see was noticeably smaller. Yeah. And was, they were playing, they were playing, having fun in the field. Look, mom, I just chased a deer off into the corn, you know, like you tried to ruin that. I know. I, <laughs> I tried ruining that moment for, for that bond, but I clearly didn't, you know, I, I get to go back again. And again, if any that, landowners want my phone number. <laughs> Just to let you know, I took already 11 off of that property this year. Oh, man, we can, we can go back and forth like that because yeah. we kind of know our feelings on all that stuff. So it's kind oh, of yeah. just to pick on you. <laughs> I know you. Yeah, and that's why I'm okay with, with doing this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, that's where you can say, like, when you start looking at what they're, they're complaining about, people are complaining that we're going to lower the population. Then they turn around and flip it and say, oh, if you kill them, it's going to increase the population. Every angle you go, there's an angle that they try to flip it the other way. Correct. What what I'm seeing on data, which is what we need to actually run our seasons, our, you know, our, our ability to Scientific hunt. Scientific management. Correct. Actual data that shows right now we are not seeing a decline in coyotes. Not at all. Not in, the, in every data in, information I have seen, they're not declining. They're not blowing up out of craziness. Because, But we are seeing like MUCC, the reason why that they decided to go year round, the DNR chose this, was because they were getting so many phone calls. Hey, they're coming into my backyard. Hey, they're coming after my dogs. They're coming after my cats. Maybe that one might be a good one. But, you know, they, what's up? And for for the record, when when center fire at night was passed, we did not ask for a year round season. No, the year round season was passed first by not us. Correct by the DNR. That was DNR law enforcement decision on their own without our input. Right. And that that is true. That is one hundred percent true. And that and since then we have not seen it. You know, they actually have said. Thank you guys. Thank you, predator hunters. 
for helping us out. We are not getting the phone calls anymore because we are actually managing the, the coyote population, the predator population here in Michigan the proper way. We're still not seeing a decline to where we're having an issue, you know, seeing numbers coming down where it's becoming a problem, but we are managing the problem that's happening here in Michigan, which is what the DNR need us to do, which is now allowing us to not have the human interaction that's having a problem. And we're actually, again, I don't have the stat statistic data here, but I'm seeing more turkeys. You know, I'm seeing a few more animals here and there. Um, so I'm not seeing any more turkeys. Yeah, See, now, yeah. I'll counter that point just a little bit. And sure. only because it's relevant to, you know, the MTCPA and what we're doing. I've actually seen a decrease in turkeys in the past year or two. And I attribute that to, I don't think there's as many trappers targeting the big nest raiders like raccoons, possums, skunk, et cetera, because of the fur market tanking. Well, and Kevin, in your area, bobcats. Right. Actually, the bobcat population has remained steady, if not went up. Well, but I'm, I'm I don't, saying bobcats on a turkey, though. That's what he's saying. Is they're yeah, hard on the yeah. turkeys first. Especially probably the poults and the young ones, but they'll right. go after adults, too. And, and we're limited to one bobcat. Correct. Yeah. Unless you go to the UP, then you can then get a second get one. But you're right, Kevin. My area where I hunt, some of my farmers, I've been taking them out, and they like to shoot coons. That's what the kids love to do. And they like to go out at night and shoot them. Um, they actually even offered me... For every raccoon I shoot out of the sweet corn patch, I can take a dozen years of corn off the stand. I said, please don't do that. I would basically take your whole stand worth of corn <laughs> and you guys wouldn't make any profits off of me. I, But they, they enjoy that. And now we're actually seeing a turkey return. We're see, they're seeing their sweet corn return. Um, so by doing that, that, that is the thing. The market's not there. There's no pricing, right. there's no incentives which I, what do you do? Right. Like the certain people, you, you still got to maintain it because distemperament will kick in for the coons. Yep. And then all of a sudden you'll, you'll lose the whole problem. And, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> we, we are constantly chastised by anti hunters because we are so terrible for shooting these coyotes. Kevin just talked about what Parvo in the UP. Parvo Would you rather die from Parvo than a gunshot? Right. Or mange. I mean, I I'm mean, seriously, what yeah. do you think is the more humane death, starving or freezing to death because you have parvo or mange or you get some other sickness or us literally going out there and just maintaining a little bit of population? But we're the hunter. We're the bad guy. Well, I mean, people say the same thing about deer, too. You know, they get mm -hmm. Irritated at people shooting deer, but if you look at the population, but they're pissed when they eat their flowers or run out in front of their car, right? Or <laughs> and you know you have overpopulation of deer and you have that problem, you know, car deer accidents, which I can attest to a little bit. Um, and then I would you have, be pissed. Your truck screwed, right? <laughs> and then you have you know again disease, EHD, CWD, mm -hmm. all that stuff, which is more likely to be more rapidly passed along with a higher population and concentration yep. in any given area. Yep. Nope. And county every year is in the top from what I was told a couple of years ago. Now it might have changed, but every year it has been in the top three in the state or in the sorry in the country 
for deer to car accident ratio. You think of how many counties are in the United States and we're in the top three, it, it kind of says something about, we do have a population and that is something that we could obviously bring down. Um, now our deer density is not nearly what it is down by Jackson or Calhoun County, but they obviously don't, they don't have the population we have up here either. Now talking to Trombley, he, he's just got a magnet on there for deer. I swear he, uh, not on purpose. He doesn't do anything that they, right. they seem to jump out on him. And um, I don't know how many deer he hit with that one truck. Wasn't it was... like 12 in a year? <laughs> it was a ridiculous amount. But he'd mm -hmm. go down there one time. I, I hunt down there for coyotes. That's where I do some of my tournament hunting. You know, um, my buddy's farms are down there. You go down there and their deer population is tenfold what we have up here. Yeah, We have deer. I'm not saying we don't, but they have tons of deer. Now they also have big bucks down there, but when you have that many deer, why shoot a smaller buck? You know, when you have the ability and you're seeing eight, nine, 10, 150 inch bucks down there, they actually see them down there. That's a whole nother story. You guys can shoot whatever you want. I'm not here to argue that one. <laughs> yeah, this I'm is just about saying, coyotes and predators we're doing. <laughs> right. And the convention, but that's, like, but that's just what you can do, you know, but, yeah, if you let populations get out of check, you can things can get bad real quick on anything. Absolutely. Right. So Mother the convention, Na Mother Nature is a lot harsher than a hunter on populations. Absolutely. Well, think about it. You shoot a coyote, he's done, right? Dead. You you give a mange that that's months. Yeah. And and freezing, I I don't even know what parvo actually does to the animal, but what does it's, parvo it's, do, Kevin? I really honestly couldn't tell you. I mean, I've suffering. It. Yeah, I've heard of it and it affects specifically, I think, canines. I'm not sure what other species it affects, but I mean, I know it's it's not good. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's the problem. You can either, we can either manage the animals at a real san safe uh, way of doing it, or you let Mother Nature take course and Mother Nature is, she can be mean. She's she can be more bitch. evil than we can, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, she gives us great nights like tonight. Like it, not this morning. I don't know if that's, we're, we're putting this out in the morning. So in the morning, we'll pretend it's going to be good tomorrow. <laughs> or, but otherwise, it, it can be like a couple of weeks ago. And one of my farmers, they lost, they were just putting up a barn. Uh, they were just about done. And the whole barn went over with that that huge storm we went through they oh, they no. damaged their combines took the whole barn right down uh they got six inches of rain in 30 minutes that yeah. was that big storm last week mm -hmm. oh man that that seemed like it got pretty terrible on a lot of people oh we had hail here for five to seven minutes straight yeah just i was taking a nap i took some some kids out uh boat fishing the night before i said oh, i'll take a nap i woke up to the hail hitting the house and it got pretty nasty pretty quick yeah so tell us about the mtpca convention when are the dates and kind of what is the goal behind this convention so the dates are august 18th and 19th it is a friday and a saturday um the the ability what it is is basically the ability for people to come out and learn and get to talk with vendors, talk with 
people that they know. You've got people across the board, um, lure makers, people that are trapping. You have Dunlop. You have uh, Duke. Uh, you have all these different uh, traps makers. You have lure makers there. Uh, we do demos for calling. We do demos now for, tra or now we do for calling. We did them for trapping as well. That was actually one of my, that's how I kind of started is I'd go there on a, on a Thursday and I actually set up the whole demo area. Um, it was actually pretty neat putting in the whole ability for trapping and the whole nine yards. Um, and then we do, we run demos. In the demos, you have calling. So for us this year, we actually have a pretty decent setup, even though Josh Mapes, Mr. <laughs> Missy Miss himself, won't show up. So, so, so you got, this is Friday and Saturday. <laughs> Correct. Go through the demos on Friday and the, yep. uh, times and who it is, and then go through the demos on Saturday. So we got at one o'clock, we start on Friday. We have Randy Booty, who I think is one of, the better callers here in the state. He does. Randy Booty is a great guy. We have a podcast with him called The Farmer's Hitman, Randy Booty. There you go. Yeah, he, the guy does it. You know, he may not do call tournaments or anything like that, but he goes out every year. He shoots over 100 coyotes. Mm -hmm. um, he, he, he knows a thing or two. Okay. So two o'clock, we have Matt Schalt, who will be uh, from Last Call Predators. Last call predator calling outdoors. Um, three o'clock, we have Eric Trombley from POW. Which is? Predator Ascension. Ascension Outdoors. There you go. I'm butchering my own counterpart in this. Uh, at four o'clock, we have Mike Smith and Nate Sadler from SNS. Yep. Um, so that's Friday. Saturday, we have at 10 o'clock, we start in the morning. We have Mitch. And I'm not even going to butcher his last name. Kecker. I know what he guess. What is it? The Kecker. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked the same question. Mitch McKeckern from FPS Archery. Yes. He is also part of uh, Fur Down Outdoors. Um, but that is his. FPS Archery and Outdoors up in Cadillac. That is his uh, business. Again, the guy knows a thing or two. He might have won the DNR and the uh, POW tournament in mm -hmm. the same year. Yeah, um, and, and Mitch has been on this podcast a couple times also. Mitch is actually who I went up and got my suppressor through. So if too. you, yeah, so if you, if you guys are up in the Cadillac area or near there he's got a great company mitch is a good guy i mean you could stand there and talk to mitch about guns coyote hunting and he will he will just stand there and talk to you if he's got the time good guy and i'm gonna throw this out there just to let you know mitch is donating the tax stamp for a oh. suppressor so if you guys would like to if you come to the convention we're not sure exactly when we're going to give it away it'll probably be during his demo but at some point we will be giving away a two, I think it's $200, right? Federal yep. tax stamp um, for a suppressor with Mitch. So he is donating that. Thank you again for that. That is a huge, huge uh, help. Yeah. 
Um, at 11 o'clock, we have uh, David and Scott from iCoyote. Um, these guys, again, they do really well in the tournaments. Uh, great people, very well. I tried getting Pamela on. That's their third. And she said she didn't want to. Did not that. She said she had something come up. So uh, all three of them, great shooters, great callers. They typically in tournaments do they place in the top 20 every year. Um, they're great callers. They they will give you something. Uh, at noon, high noon, as he said, the hot spot, but it is what it is. Uh, we got Cody Ketchum from DNR Sports. Um, he he's he was like, oh man, you guys got me on the hot spot. I said, ah. It's just calling, you know, there's always just, it is what it is. Just come in and do your demo. And that guy, he, uh, he might know a thing or two about calling coyotes. Cody he, Ketchum uh, at DNR sports has ran the great lakes predator challenge for the last probably five years. Nine. I really? Think I think it's been nine years. Well, yeah, yeah but, but he didn't run it to begin with. Right. Oh, I gotcha. um, it, it was another guy to begin with, but then I think it was three or four years in that Cody took over. Cody's another great guy from DNR Sports. Yep. Yeah, DNR Sports helps out. They definitely – they're donating as well. Um, on top of that, Cody, if you guys know him or follow him, goes to Kansas. He he shoots a few coyotes a night mm -hmm. down there. Yes, he does. Um, and then you come up here and you run him in a tournament. He did Ross's tournament. I believe he was one of those that were in the top three in one night, shot something like nine or something plus here in Michigan. So, but thank you again, DNR Sports, for donating. Um, at one o'clock, unfortunately, you have to listen to me. Um, I will be in there doing it from one to two. Um, not much. You guys have heard me talk enough about this. So you don't need to hear about me too much. <laughs> uh, two o'clock, we got TJ Gill from Fur Down Outdoors. He uh, holds his own in the coyote world. Yeah. TJ Gill has hands down been probably the most consistent person. One of the top consistent people here in Michigan that live here in Michigan that hunt Michigan every year yep if he wants to kill coyotes he can go out and kill coyotes i it, just what you have to it's just the truth he him and mitch were the ones that did uh they won dnr and they won up and won the predator assassin uh, ascension. ascension there you go uh but they did it and the funny part was when they went up and won the power one and clear they put them all in totes so no one saw it coming it actually made <laughs> made the funniest thing in the world. They they show up and you're like, cool, you got two totes. And then all of a sudden you start pulling out coyotes on top of coyotes. And it's like, okay. <laughs> you can fit they, a lot of coyotes in them things. <laughs> you can. It was actually pretty shocking. I, I remember going, talking to him like, hey, how'd you do? He goes, just watch. He knew it was, he knew it was happening. He goes, just watch. And I, all right. You know, I thought I was doing all right. We were at that point in the top, top 10. And then all of a sudden, oh crap! We just <laughs> he just jumped in, and then then a couple of the bigger hitters jumped in, and uh, then we went down. But 
Um, at three o'clock, we have Chris Wakefield uh, from Paw Patrol. Um, he, Chris Wake and I hunted together during the sportsman's ministry and we took second. He, he wants to go and kill coyotes. He can, he can call them in. Yep. Um, I remember two years ago during the DNR sports first night, I think they missed eight coyotes the first night on two sets or something like that, three sets. And they called it. They said, we can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> they went I've home. never even missed that many during the tournament, Chris. Oh, come on, <laughs> come on! There's a reason your name still rings true. That's not for tournaments, though. <laughs> Fair enough. That's just any other day of the week. Oh, <laughs> and they went. They actually uh, came back, and I believe they took something like fifth or sixth in the tournament. And they shot the rest the next night, and were able to place in the tournament, which. Uh, he he knows a thing or two. So, and then at four o'clock, round it off, we have dun, 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 Kevin Ra himself from Overdrive Outdoors. <laughs> oh, who and, is that? Can you tell yeah, us about, a little him about a little this bit? guy? It should mm -hmm. be a short story. Nobody. <laughs> well, this guy was actually one of the first people that. One of the first few people I actually started talking to when I was had questions. Um, Kevin never gave me direct answers, which is what I liked, which is what I want. I don't I, I can say that I never got direct answers because that's not how you learn. Right. You don't learn because I told you, hey, go out there right now and run fawn distress. It'll kill coyotes. Well, why? Why? Why does it work now? But he gave me ideas and the guy honestly has it and that that says a lot about someone is to give you a direction and once and once you start learning you understand why and you can then manipulate it throughout the year of why this worked well then that worked well then why is that not working um it, and i'm okay with that that's why i st still talk to kevin um he he honestly has a lot of a lot of good information um Clearly, he just shot a two and a half coyotes, um, <laughs> and we're you know I mean he's going out doing it. So and that's that's why I still talk to Kevin. Because <laughs> he shot two and a half coyotes. Yes, I like that half. If it was only two, no, we're done. <laughs> you just made the mark. You got the over under right. You just hit the over. So, so you guys got a pretty full schedule though. I mean, if if people show up. Um, okay. For instance, I have a landowner that actually stopped by Sunday after he got out of church, he stopped by, I was mowing my lawn. He didn't know anything about this convention. So how much of it is going to be for trappers and how many, how much of it is going to be for predator callers? So we're basically from, it's not sun up to sundown, excuse me, but the predator calling is going to be there. Like that's, it's going to be demos and that's kind of the, the main thought right now is demos. I don't know if uh, Paul has set up one in the past uh, from, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Predator Hunter, Hunter Outdoors. There you go. I don't know why I drew, drew a blank with him because he actually donated as well. So I got to give a huge shout out to Paul. He's actually been a huge sponsor um, helping us too. 
but um, in years past he has, and I don't know if he is this year. I'd have to, again, communicate with Steve. I probably should have done that before I got on this podcast, but hey, that's where we're at. Um, but that's kind of the main thought is, is the predator calling giving you something to go learn from? Um, you know, if we were to do what everybody else did in the trapping world, you'd have one booth, right? Maybe a couple booths you could make. I'm not, Pulsar is not coming. Um, I don't know. Night's night might, because again, that's Paul. But you, you could have a couple booths. IRA's not coming. Um, but by going to, to here, you can learn and see, because a lot of these people are going to bring their stuff. And then you can actually see what they have. Is it beneficial for you? Everybody has a different market, right? So some people can get into a ATN LT for a thousand bucks. I think they went up a little bit this year, but some people can get into an IRA and some people can get into the high-end IRAs or the Pulsars. You know, you can, there's a whole aspect there. Um, but by coming there and seeing what I run versus what Kevin runs, hopefully Josh, uh, what some of these other people get into, um, it'll let you see, like, I know Mitch, he runs IRA. Mitch also runs the head, uh, the head gear setup. You know, for me to bring all those people in, it wouldn't be feasible for this, but it allows you to then see these things and see if that might be in your idea. And every one of these people would be able to give you a, a contact to be able to get you the product you're looking for. And probably at a pretty reasonable price um, for the most part. Um, but now if you look at the other end of it, the trapping end, if you guys come for that, you have trap um, dealers, you have lure dealers, lure makers that are there. You have demos for them. Um, they're doing giveaways. Um, if you sign up, they're doing some giveaways there too. I'm not quite sure. I'm not, I haven't been told everything, but if, if you sign up for a membership, there is something that's going to come along with that as well. Right. Kevin, you were telling me a little bit about that. Yeah. It's a little bit from what I heard talking to Steve Campbell. I'm not exactly sure on the details of it, but they were going to have some surprises for people that were signing up at the convention. And that, that's the big thing is just signing up. That's the other thing you can do when you sign up at the convention, you not only get a membership, if you're a new member for the MTPCA, you also get one for fur takers of America. And I believe the NTA, yeah, the NTA, uh, National Trappers Association as well. You get so you get all three of them, and then when you get those other ones, those other ones send you magazines. So that's part of the whole first year membership. Uh, so it's not it's twenty five dollars, but you you get way more than twenty five dollars worth uh, of your money. Plus, you also give us a vote to allow us to go to legislation and say. We don't agree with these things. You know, we're up there. We we don't agree with the gun gun bans that are getting put into place. Um, we we said no because it it just you can't take away things. You know, I don't own an AR. I, baiting on an AR ten, so it's fifteen. It's five less ARs than than an AR fifteen. But I don't. I believe you should have one. I, you know, and that's my personal opinion. I, I don't choose to shoot one like that. I shoot a bolt gun, but I know both of you guys shoot ARs 
and you guys both have the you should have it now i shoot a, a semi uh semi-automatic shotgun for for ducks and geese and i believe i should be able to do that as well but these are things that they're looking at that they want to take away from us um and that's that's what we're fighting for we go in and that's what on that end of it we say no we are for the hunters um to make sure that our rights are done done properly well, what is a um, typical membership cost for somebody Twenty-five dollars. Uh, the thing we are looking annual? for an annual fee. Okay. What was it? What was I, that, Kevin? I was just saying that you just said that a minute ago. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I'm just letting him, letting him answering his questions. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's what I was getting. Time to cut that one out. I knew he said that, but I wanted to make sure that that wasn't different than what he said with the two magazines and the other subscriptions. No, that is part of it. So. Uh, the $25, if you're a new member, gets you all three memberships. If you are not, if you are a renewing member, then it just comes to us because it actually costs us, actually costs us money to pay for your, um, your membership for those other two. So we actually are losing money on that end of the deal um, to cover those costs. But if we allow you guys to come in and it, you know, it gives us again a name, so it, it gives you an incentive to want to come and and see you know and help us out by helping you guys out as hunters. Now, this is just uh, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but mm -hmm. well, let's say there is something that comes to it, comes to decision vote, and it's something that we feel like, yeah, maybe that it, that needs to be done and i'm not saying banning tournament hunting banning ar-15s but <laughs> do you have any choice in being a hard no or hard yes if you are a member of this from my understanding it's one vote okay if that's what you're getting at well I, i'm i'm thinking you know there's certain topics where it's like yeah you know i can see both sides of this and I wouldn't necessarily vote against it, but I definitely wouldn't vote for it. You know what I mean? So when we're we kind of on the fence with certain subjects. So when we have our meetings, we have a meeting once a month and we talk about these things, what's going on. And we have, them, if, if need be, if something comes up and legislation, something's getting pushed really quick and we need to get on a, a topic, we, we meet then um, in our meetings we talk about these things and if something is, you know, I don't know if, if we see it both ways, I, I don't see a reason to force one way or the other. Right. So then you would take a no decision on that one. Um, I, I've seen a lot of things come through that are, you can see it both ways, but yeah, it, it's a that's a tough. That's where we sit down as a committee, and we figure out what is best for us as hunters yeah. as a whole. Yep, which is what we need, and that's why I recommend if anybody needs to, feel free to reach out to me. You can read if you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. You can easily reach out to anybody in the other in the group. But um, tell me your thoughts if you see something that you see coming in, or if we post something and. Hey, you know, there's a bill coming in and you guys see something, let us know what your thoughts are. The only way I can see stuff, you know, is and that's my job is to try to re outreach 
is to reach and talk to you guys and say, what's your thoughts? Um, there's been a few things that I have reached out to people. And what what's your thoughts? What We've do you think? We've had long conversations about some stuff. And and that's what you have to do to make to better this for us as hunters, and especially as predator hunters. So we have an actual name for ourselves versus somebody just uh just telling us what we're doing, because at that point there's no reason to have us. It there I mean just let legislation do whatever they want which is never going to be good for us as a whole. So I do want to say one thing quick, another topic before you say anything else. I do want to jump out and say thank you to all the, the, the uh, uh, good thing I'm thinking about this, all the people that are donating, the donators to the, the convention, and especially for the predator calling. Uh, we have Tony Tabby. He reached out and he is donating. Um, we have Katie Cords. She's donating some uh, drags for the calling, um, for the demos. Paul at Predator Hunter Outdoors, Hands Night Snipe. Uh, he's donated. As we already talked about before, FPS Archery donated the tax stamp. DNR Sports, they're donating. And I still haven't heard exactly what it is, and I'm okay. I like surprises, but Kevin and I had talked. Overdrive Outdoors is going to donate a little something, um, and that's why some of those stuff I haven't told you either because I I asked them to surprise me with, with stuff so we can, you know, have fun. We, but when we're doing these demos, we, we want to give back to you guys and say thank you, you know, for coming out, listening to us. Um, but every one of those people. And now I haven't posted it yet. So this is a uh, sneak peek. Sneak peek at a podcast. I also have Walker Skulls is going to donate a Euro mount. Uh, so we're going to have another Euro mount in. Um, I, I'm just, yeah, I want to say thank you to them because that is a big thing for them to donate these things and to say, you know, we support you. These are every one of these people supports us moving forward so that we can have a say. Um, as I talked with Tony Tabby, who is a very smart man um, and second to none in predator and making sounds, he, he doesn't want to see what happens out in uh, New Mexico happen here. You know? Um, Has he gone ever over any of those details? I mean, what what's happened in New Mexico that we don't want here? From what he told me, the first executive order his governor did when she took over was ban competition calling. And she said they still have the, the worst. They have crime rates still through the roof and other issues. And yet the first thing she decided to choose is predator calling. Yeah, that's uh, like uh, that's like Chicago uh, being so you know gun free and all these shootings all the time. But I'm supposed to go to Illinois next winter to do some calling, and I can't bring my suppressor. Yep. Like, hmm. <laughs> think you got your priorities a little bit messed up, maybe Chicago, <laughs> Illinois in general. Well, that, that's another whole other talk. But I mean, you're right. You look at these gun free bans, right? I. What, what are they doing? 
unfortunately, they're not really helping. Um, it's a smart idea, but it's not. And I'm being honest with you guys here. Yeah, I see the look on your face. The thought is a good idea, but it's not because it doesn't work, right? So if you, in theory, take away from somebody, they shouldn't have it, right? That's the thought. That that That's the God's thought. But anybody can get a gun. I mean, we're not supposed to be having cocaine, but they find it in the White House, right? I mean... And they don't know whose it is. And they don't know whose it is. <laughs> the, the thought behind it is... is still not right because that's the constitution we we deserve our guns we should have our guns that is a stance that i am for 100 how do you take them away from people that don't deserve them and there's no good answer for it yet and that's being honest um and i don't believe that they have a good answer and these bands aren't it they don't work they they do not work effectively like they're they're trying to actually do my thoughts, they're just trying to get rid of our guns so they can take over. And that's my thoughts. I agree. But, um, hey, you know, I what, what can you do? Uh, <laughs> keep fighting. And that's what we do. As the MTPCA, we literally, that's what we're, we're voting no. We don't want the gun bans. We don't, we don't agree with it. Um, and the more members we have, the more rights we say no. We, we don't want this taken away from us. So... Another thing I'll add about the convention, because I've been there for several years, um, is it is a very family-oriented event. They have stuff specifically for kids, little competitions, demos, stuff like that. And it's also kind of like a trade show slash swap meet. There's a lot of supplies you can buy, different vendors you can buy stuff from. They have food. They have, I mean, they have a lot of stuff. It's held at the everett county fairgrounds right so mm -hmm. it's a pretty good sized event um i mean there's just a lot of stuff for the whole family to do so don't be afraid to bring your kids um bring your kids getting them involved in the outdoors and especially in you know the fur trade trapping predator calling etc is how we'll continue to have support for years to come now it, yeah. to get into the convention is there a cover fee or an access fee i believe it's ten dollars is it 10? Okay. And that's to get in. Um, we have to obviously pay for the fairgrounds so we can run it out. Um, but the other nice thing, too, about being there is almost quite a few of the fur buyers from all over the state actually come there. So Trevor Barnes is there. Rick Angle is there. You you get to see Jim Tate, Wolf and Bait and Lures. He's there. Um these are people that all over the state that you could meet if you have these coyotes, if you shoot the fox, if you trap, you can meet these people, shake their hands, um, and meet someone that maybe you want to change fur buyers. Maybe you don't know what to do with your furs. They That's what they, they're there for. Um, they come there to help out and donate their times because every almost every single person going through there rephrase every single person going through there is harvesting hopefully something with a fur harvester tag so what do you do with it so then they're able to direct you on do you want to sell it in your area 
if you want to take it to a person that actually wants to help you get it tanned on like some people for me that took two years and a fight and you can edit this part out. <laughs> I but, remember that part. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it gives you the ability to then talk to these people and see them and put a face to them and they'll help you out. Um, in I still remember it's also the best way to make those kind of connections in my opinion. Yep. I remember I went over to Rick Engels and uh, Deep Ravine and there was a, a get together and Kevin and I met there and Kevin goes, fuck, there's Jim Tate. You, you know, Jim Tate. And I said, Oh yeah, I know Jim Tate, but I I've known him for years and I see him at the conventions. I see, I've known him for years and it, it's, uh, it's neat seeing people who don't know them. Like you didn't know him at the time. Right. So it was, you knew of him, but you didn't know him. And Jim's a great guy. Hands down. He, he comes, shakes your hand. I remember I wanted to learn how to trap bobcats and he, he helped me out. He, he drew me a map. This is exactly how you need to trap your bobcat. And this is what you need to do. I said, well, how much lure do I need to put down the hole? You can put the whole jar down for all I care. And he started laughing. And I said, all right, is that what I need to do? Cause I was new to it. And he goes, yeah. And then come back and buy more from me. You know, that, was, <laughs> that, that was his mind. You know, like he was just messing with me though. Cause, uh, but then he told me what to do. And um, I still have yet to trap a bobcat. That's the thoughts this year. Um, obviously I was on here one time, the last time when I shot a, my bobcat and uh, Kevin shot his like, the day before or a couple of days prior to me shooting mine. And, um, but th these are people that just like you and I, but they're all nice people. Um, I, what are you saying about me? Well, you're not showing up. So you, I don't have to say, he said, but you. they're all nice people. <laughs> so, so what I'm getting from this convention is, is it's not like a outdoor Rama where you have, 57 African safari hunts and 500 different distributors selling gear. This is more for you to sit down, learn, talk to people and figure out your methods to learn how to trap, learn how to call. This is more of a learning weekend than a sales weekend. Correct. So for us, we have, obviously you can come and learn both days for how to predator your call. Each person's gonna, I gave them the ability to just talk about what you wanna talk about in that time. So each person talk, calls differently. I know Kevin, I've even heard him. I, I could never do this. He told me he had a coyote come in one, he had him on camera and he was coming to a bait pile one time, a dead, dead carcass. And you hunted over it and you made one howl and you sat there for 30 minutes and you That's ended up Kevin. shooting that coyote. Welcome to hunting with Kevin. A <laughs> whole bunch it. of silence. Followed I, I by you it. missed again. <laughs> <laughs> I I couldn't do that. That's not what I could do. You know, but I've also been out with people like Chris Wakefield. And it's every two, three minutes. He's sometimes the caller never actually stops for the 30 minutes. That's my boy. Uh, <laughs> I taught him. It, it just <laughs> This pounds. It just call, call, call. But yep. every single one of these, and I'm kind of in the middle. That's just how I call. But every single person's different. And that's why I wanted the array of these people 
because you can learn something new from each single time, like each person, each hour, and it can give you something to go out into the field and try, you know, educate more of them coyotes. So the next time it's even harder. Um, but you, you get to try something and every person has their Nick niche. Um, I took a guy out and he goes, man, you call slow. And I said, all right. And then I want, I hear about Kevin and I'm saying the same thing to Kevin here, but, but I, when where he hunts, he's hunting in the middle of the woods at night and he's only looking at these little itty bitty openings. So he has to be, he has to basically force their hand to come in because if they're going to try to wind him, he's got no shot, right? Because he's hunting in the woods. So he has to try to force their hand, but that doesn't work. It does, but it doesn't work the same as it does out in these wide open fields. You know, they have the ability to go around you and they don't have to, they can see, they can do whatever they want out in these wide open fields versus being in the timber and, and you're trying to hit it, hit a note. So why, again, I picked these different people because I wanted different aspects of calling so everybody could learn something new. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so again, one more time to say the dates of that convention. The dates of the convention are the 18th and 19th of August, which is a Friday and a Saturday. The other thing I'm trying to pull up here real quick so I can get you an exact time for our, I believe it's Friday morning. They're actually doing a fur handling. So I'm trying to, there it is. Uh, 9 a.m. Friday for the trapping end of it, trapping demos. They're doing a trap prep and how. They're also at 3 p.m. on Friday. They're doing a Trevor Barnes. Barnes. Um, he is doing fur handling, market, and upcoming fur prices. So that way you guys have the ability to figure out what, if you want to keep your coyotes, if you want to just donate them. Please do something with them. Um, there is always a market for them somewhere. Um, but they, let's see, they have, I mean, they're Jim Tate's doing bobcat trapping at 10. Sarah Gomez is doing coyotes at 11 on Friday. 12 is Jeff Dunlap of beavers and otters. One is JR doing canine questions. Two, uh, Bernie is doing trap uh Equipment on the ground. And then obviously we talk about Trevor Barnes. Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, Ernest Winters is doing predator line location to help out in management. Uh, 10, Mark June. He's from here from Michigan. He actually moved out west. He's a big lure maker. He's doing bobcats at 10. Jeff Haggerty. He's doing muskrats. Nick Ernie at 12 is doing body grips. Talking about the body grips, he actually created a new body grip. So everyone is used to seeing the kind of bear that's the square. He actually figured out, he bought it, but he he helped manufacture it to be a circle. So the body grip is a circle now. So now you could actually put him in tubes, put him in runs. When, when the beavers come through and make their runs, they don't notch out the, the, the dirt and say, oh, I need a square. No, it's, a, it's their body going through, which causes a valley so if you were able to then put a, a conibear in there that fits the whole valley they wouldn't see it as much and now it gives you the whole wide 
uh, valley. So it actually is a very, very smart idea um, and works out great. Uh, there's none at one because there's a general membership meeting at one o'clock on Saturday. So if you guys would like to attend, feel free um, for members only. So if you buy your membership, you can attend to that one. I buy it at the convention, you can come in. And then John is going to talk about Fox, his red and his grays. Um, he, uh, which I'd like to see more personally, I'd like to see more Fox grays particularly. But um, yeah, so that, that's what I wanted to talk about on that end of the, the trapping demos. So there's more ways to learn than just calling. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin's doing four o'clock. Maybe I'll show up. I should go support Kevin. Yeah, you could. <laughs> Just don't miss it. I might, maybe. You never know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it seems like you guys got a pretty, pretty full schedule for the weekend. Then, yeah, it's it's Friday, Saturday. So Friday, I understand a lot of people work. Um, it happens, but there is Saturday. There's a lot of things happening Saturday. Um, a lot of great cars both days. I can't say nothing bad about either or. They're both both days. These people are picked because they there's a lot of knowledge. There is a lot of knowledge going for these demos. Um, but there's also a lot of things. Like I said, Trevor Barnes will be there. Um, Deep Ravine will be there. Rick, you can ask these questions. Hey, wh what are you seeing? What are you thinking for the for the upcoming season? Um, some people do their seasons like that. You know, if, if raccoons are going to be a, a moneymaker, why not trap raccoons? It's great for the kids, right? It's a great way to get the kids out. It's a great way to go enjoy the outdoors. Any time in the outdoors is a great time, unless it's raining and hailing and, you know, six inches of rain in 30 minutes. But, hey, you're still outside. Get outside. Right. <laughs> but – it, it, it allows you to do something with the kids than just the kids sitting on their, their iPads, you know, in front of the TV, the Xbox. I mean, I like Xbox back in the day, so I can't deny that, but it, get out there, enjoy it, get a tan, um, go enjoy the outdoors. And if you come up and see us again, all these people are here to help you. They all have, everyone here has, has done this once or twice before and they all have something that you can, you can learn from, you know, I, I learn stuff all the time. I found, I'll, I'll give you a little tidbit. Guy was teaching me how to trap coyotes and he said, think about it in the winter time. I said, yeah. He goes, how many times those coyotes running up and down that creek once it freezes? Obviously not when the water's open. I said, quite a bit. I mean, I don't know. You guys, you guys see tracks, trails going up and down the creeks once they freeze. Rivers and creek beds when they freeze or highways. Okay. So how do you get a trap on the ice so it's right in their face? I don't. I shoot them. Yeah, well, there's other <laughs> ways to try to do this. And it's creative, you know, especially if you can't get out there. But the trap, they say, you know, is always working 24-7. As long as it's out there and hasn't fired off. The guy taught me, he put an an anchor, an earth anchor in the, in the creek bottom, ran a chain up and he created a float set that he basically took two, two by eights, put them on top of each other, hollowed one out in the shape of a trap that made that trap bed perfectly in there and then put two holes for his lure. And then the bottom where the trap sits, 
he actually drilled a hole. So now when the, he puts it out there in the summertime, when it freezes or right before it freezes, it freezes in solid. The chain is now connected to the bottom in there. He just puts a D loop into it, connects them together. His trap will now bed because it's already set. He throws a little snow over top of it, puts a couple lures in there. And now that coyote is working a set in the middle of a creek that they're already running up and down. Now it's right in their face. That's something that you just don't think about. And that's what you learn at these conventions is things to think outside the box. Yeah. Um, and that's how you can, you can boost your numbers is by learning things that you, you and I never thought about, but someone else did at the time. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, Carl, we've had you on here for about an hour and a half. Uh, anything you've left out about the MTPCA you'd like to add, Kevin, anything that you know from being there previously that you'd like to add? No, like I said, it's just, it's a good family event and, you know, if you need to get supplies, you can get them while you're there and there's opportunity to learn a lot. It's a good, it's a good thing. Yeah, if you can, there is uh, the ability to camp on the ground. So you can uh, stay the night, go Friday, stay the night Saturday so you can get both days. Then you don't have to pay for both days. I but that there is the ability to camp. There is people that do camp and it is a great time. Uh, again, it's kid oriented. So you can go out there. It, it is designed for people to have fun. There is stores if you need to go down outside of there. Uh, no, I'm not re uh, getting no donations or anything, but Dollar General is right down the street. There's a McDonald's. Trust me, there's no sponsorships out of these, any of these people. Where could you be that there wasn't a Dollar General right down the street? <laughs> Fair enough. I'll give you that one. There's actually even a, a grocery store or something right there, but not Myers. Again, I'm not getting sponsored by any of these people. But the ability is there. So if you need that, there's that, there's that stuff there. But everything you need for the most part is there. They do have, as Kevin already talked about, hot dogs. There's a concession stand. Um, anything you need is there. Information's there to learn. These please come out and see these people and learn get some more tips. And that's what we're Michigan trappers and predator callers association is, is here to help you guys learn, help you build and help make sure that we are taken care of in legislation as well as your needs. And, and it really is a cheap membership for an annual, or a, I think I did two years on my membership and I think it was 50 bucks for me to constantly be voting pro hunting, pro gun, pro outdoors i'll pay i'll pay 50 bucks no problem for that and the thing you get when you get your membership is that meeting i was talking about at one o'clock on saturday you if you see something you don't like you're allowed to come in and just you, you get and i don't know the extended period of time five minutes you can talk about what you're you don't you don't like come in and, and say that when they're, they they hold voting, you guys, if you're a member, you have the ability to come in and vote and show your support of what you want done in this in this area. That's that that's the biggest thing is I want my vote done in a certain way. Well, then I want to be there and speak out for it. I don't want to just you know give it to anybody to just be freely. 
All right. Well, Carl, thank you so much for taking the time out of your night tonight. This was actually, this podcast was actually your idea. You said, let's do a podcast about the convention. And and as soon as you said it, I thought, yeah, good idea. So we got with Kevin, figured out time, and we set this one up. Um, it's coming up quick. So if you want to get to it, you know, set the date for that Friday or Saturday, if there's a either person, uh, where can they go and find the information about all this, Carl? So you can either go to Michigan Trappers and Predator Callers Association on Facebook, or you can go to MTPCA. Uh, it is also in Woods and Water. There is, um, we do obviously do some posts about, you know, on Facebook, the Michigan Coyote Hunters page. Um, I believe you guys shared it as well. Yep. Um, there's multiple ways to look at it, but if you want the direct answers, you want to look at memberships, you want to look at other different things, MTPCA or Michigan Trappers and Predator Callers Association is the way to look at uh, where to go find it on Facebook or on uh, on the World Wide Web. Yep, so. and you can get your membership right through their online, right through their website, everything there. Uh, that's how I've done it. So it, it is for anybody that is in support of predator hunting, even if you're not a hunter or a trapper, I would think that this would be a reasonable thing for even landowners to get involved with. If you, if you are ones that allow us onto your property, being a member to this is a cheap way to guarantee that somebody doesn't come around and tell us later on that I can't hunt your property because they say so. I mean, that's kind of where I see all these votes going for is pro hunting, pro trapping. If you want the coyotes gone, whether you want to do it or not, you still have to have your say involved in that situation because if, if they tell us that we can't hunt them tomorrow, then it's a lot of people losing us hunting their property that are just going to have more problems with them again, which is why they've all originally called us and wanted us out there to begin with. So it's, it's something that we, I feel like we're balancing on a very fine line on predator hunting. I mean, you know, they see them, we see them banning trail cameras because it's unfair. I mean, that's the kind of, that's the lengths these people will go to, to make us lose our rights or our abilities to do this stuff efficiently. If you tell us that we can't go out there and trap predators or shoot coyotes any time of the year, imagine what the population is going to do and how bad the problem can be. We've come back and Kevin, tell me if I'm wrong, but in 2016 is when they allowed us to start using center fires and hunting year round. And there was a reason behind that, at least the year round part. And again, it was not us telling them that that's what we wanted. That was the DNR themselves making that decision based on the amounts of complaints and problems that they had with coyotes and predators at that time. So if you are one that has ever had those issues or has farms, has dairy farms, has livestock, chickens, anything like that, and you want us to be able to continue to hunt them or trap them on your property, I feel like this is a cheap membership to guarantee that you are voting for us to continue those rights. Yep. 
I, I, I agree with you. I mean, the thing you gotta, the thing is too, I've been on properties. I asked for coyote hunting permission and they said, well, they're really not doing much, but the coons, do you shoot coons, raccoons? Yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah, I shoot raccoons. Well, if you shoot the raccoons, which are a bigger predator problem for me, then you can shoot my, my coyotes as well. You know, the ability for me to then come in and take your raccoons out for you to help you out then allows, helps me out. Right. And that's why if they take away predator predators across the board are raccoons, coyotes, fox, bobcat, but you also, I trap Martin and Fisher. I trap beavers. Beavers aren't, but they're a problem. Otters. These are animals that are predators that do need to be managed properly. And that's what we are directly looking at is what is a predator and what is the problem and how do we make man, manage this properly. Out of curiosity, what is the biggest issue that landowners have with beavers? So I'm working on one right now. Guy's got three lakes, big piece of property with a channel in it, 15 dams I'm working on. 15 dams now. So things start going underwater. Dams get bigger. Water starts diverting different places because it has to. I had another guy here around my house. We knew, everyone knew in the area that there was a beaver problem and no one could go in and do it. So I said, hey, can I come in? He said, can you please, I have five acres I'm down to a quarter acre or a half acre and my drain field is going under right now. Oh, geez. So now he can't flush his toilet because it's, it's starting to back up. I've been there October, 2022. <laughs> I could not flush my toilets. It was backing up. <laughs> that's the problem. They, they do create a lot of the beaters do create a lot of, you know, they, they push water around so that allows vegetation to grow but farmlands start going under. So now the farmers lose places that they can actually farm because it's all underwater. Yep. The muskrats, they tunnel out of the ditches into the farm fields. So then when the combine goes over it, it's a soft spot and they drop their combine right down and they can break tie rods. They can break a lot of things going into those holes. Um, that's why... You know, you got to figure out how to help these trees. Beavers chew a tree down, goes right into the field. Now the farmer has to spend whatever it takes. For me, it could be three days, but to cut a tree out of the out of the backyard or out of the field. Yeah, um, I had one one farmer. He called me. Couldn't believe it. Beaver thought that the corn was nice, sweet birch trees. Went down and started cleaning all the corn stalks right out of the field. Really? And was planning on eating that all winter long. Problem is, there's no nutrients in the corn stalks. So right. they weren't going to eat anything. Um, but they thought, hey, it smelled sweet. And they were going to eat the corn. And so they actually leveled. I went, By the time I went in there, I think he had already leveled five acres of corn. Jeez. Wow. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's a problem for a farmer. That's a lot of money. Yeah. You know? Um Beavers belong here. What people don't know is West Michigan was actually founded off of the beaver hides back in the day. They came here because we had a lot of beaver and they shipped them back to England. 
That's actually how West Michigan started. Um, they have a purpose, but they are destructive and they need, just like the coyotes, they need to be kept in check. And if someone's house is going under, we got to figure out how to maintain or figure out the problem. Right. Absolutely. And, and to add to that, beaver is one of the few still profitable trapping species right now between the caster and the hides. I think they're one of the ones that you can actually get the most money out of. Yeah. At the end of the year. Yes. At the end of the year, we've seen a spike in uh, hides. Um, caster is always high. Um, do you guys know what caster is used for? Clothes. Say that again. Used for, used for a lot of stuff, including food, perfume, flavorings. I mean, a lot of stuff. That Cold new car light. smell. So yep. that new car smell comes from. Yep, I um, heard that too. Strawberry extract, uh, vanilla extract. Um, people don't realize it, but it, there's a lot of stuff it's used for. So if you want that new car smell, why don't you just take a dead beaver and throw it in your car? Yeah, well, that's a whole nother ball game. I. All right. Well, Carl, you got any finishing thoughts? Please come out, guys. Um, a lot of smart, well-educated people here. Um, I'm probably the dumbest out of all of them. So, you know, don't worry about one o'clock on Saturday. Unless um, I show well, up. Yeah, don't worry. He'll miss it. He'll mapes it. Um, uh, but Come out, learn some stuff. And, you know, if we actually appeal to you or you see that we're actually helping, please come be a member. Being a member is huge into this. Um, and it allows to, the tradition of hunting in Michigan to stay alive. Kevin, anything from you? I just echo the same thing he said. You know, come out, enjoy it learn something if you need supplies you can pick them up there all right well thank you carl thank you kevin for taking the time out of your nights to talk tonight and uh yeah if you would check out the mtpca convention at you can either look them up on facebook or online and everybody have a good week and we will talk to you all next week on the overdrive outdoors podcast